Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're in a series called Getting Your Life Back. And what's interesting is that so few people know about this promise of restoration and recovery. That's really what the series is about. It's about restoration. Everybody say that with me. Say restoration and recovery. And I don't know about you, but I can use some recovery and restoration in, our, in my life. And I think that, that, that you can too. Come on, if there's some areas of your life that you say, you know, whether it's my health or finances or just in my life that I can use a little recovery and restoration. Let me see your hand. Let me, let me see your hand. We, we all can. I, I, we all can. And, and I'm just believing that this series is really going to help us understand this promise. Why? So we can believe in this promise of restoration. Do you know that um, few people People I've heard, even growing up, talk about this promise of restoration. You don't hear it talked about a lot in the body of Christ, but I'm telling you, you're hearing it today at Passion Life Church, and I believe it's going to help you because how many of you know God is a God of restoration, right? He is the God of restoration. He is the God of better days. Come on. He is the God, right, that uh, is not finished blessing you. And so I'm, I'm really thankful. I'm thankful for that he's given us this promise, and I'm going to tell you why, because I really believe believe that, you know, in life, a lot of us have suffered loss. We've suffered loss in health. We've suffered loss in relationships. We'd, uh, some of us have lost peace and opportunities, and even some are facing hope, loss of hope. And sometimes that loss can come from decisions that we've made. Just We've made dumb, stupid decisions in our life. Anybody make dumb, stupid decisions? We all have. And Sometimes loss comes from that. Sometimes loss comes from decisions that other people made. Your life was affected because you came in contact with evil people. You came in contact with someone who, who needed help themselves and maybe they hurt you. Maybe they robbed you of your innocence. Maybe they, they, they put you through painful situation that, you know, you were innocent in that, in that situation. And even in that, God can bring restoration. But sometimes we, we, we have an experience lost because of decisions other people made. And then we responded wrong to that. We responded wrong. So it was a combination of that and then what we uh, have decided to do. But even if you've made some dumb decisions, I want to say this today. God forgives and he wants to bring restoration and recovery into our lives today. And I, I want our faith to arise. I want us to, to begin to believe in this promise. Let me just review real quick. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 was our theme scripture. And Peter is, is talking here and he says, repent. Repent simply means to change your mind. It's Greek in the Greek metanoia means change your mind. He says, repent, change your mind. Therefore be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Anybody thankful we have a God that blots out our sins. And then it says, so that the times of refreshing may come. I'm hoping in this series that as you change and we change our mind, we repent that we're going to experience the times of of refreshing, right? That may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who has, who was preached to you, verse 21, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. One translation says this, Jesus is not going to come back until the restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. When Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, but not just that. He died and he rose again to give us resurrection life, abundant life. 
and then he went to heaven. He ascended to heaven and Peter's talking about Jesus is coming back. And I want to live like Peter's talking about with an urgency that Jesus is coming back. But he says, you and I are living in a gap between the time that Jesus went to heaven and the time that he's coming back. And in that gap, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a restoration of all things. One translation says, and we're going to read it in the message, it says, he's going to make everything right in our lives. And I'm putting my faith there that he's going to bring restoration. So restoration, we said, is a promise that we got to embrace. You put your faith there. But we said last week, recovery is a choice. We've got to choose to recover. And when God restores, we found out last week, he always restores more than you lost. Come on, I said he always restores more than you lost. Always. And we're going to see that today. We're going to, we're going to see that today. And as Peter talks about changing the way we think, I love the way the message says, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says, if death got the upper hand through one man, who was that one man? That one man was Adam in the garden, right? If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides. What he is saying is that one man screwed it up in the garden, right? Adam did, but Jesus is the last Adam and he came, right? And he forgave us of our sins so we can have a relationship with, with God. But not only that, to bring restoration to your life. And I love what the message Bible says. It says, can you imagine? And I wonder... What do you let your imagination run wild on? It says this wildly extravagant life gift. Where do you let your imagination go? Joyce Meyer says, think about what you're thinking about, right? Where do we let our imagination go? Because it's so easy in life, day to day, one thing happens, right? You can wake up and it's a good day. And one thing happens. And then we allow that one thing to define the whole day. That one person cut in front of us right on the 15. And boy, that ruined our whole day. We walk into work and we're upset, right? And the whole day because of one thing that can go wrong. And as a matter of fact, we'll even go to bed at night thinking, about that one thing that went wrong. And we can allow our imagination to go to that one thing. And guess what happens? We start to allow it to bring doubt. We allow it to bring fear into our lives. We can become overwhelmed. And then a lot of times what happens is we allow that to start to affect our decisions that we make. And so what happens when God brings opportunity into our life, instead of us taking advantage of the opportunities that God is bringing us, we start to make excuses of why we can't move forward. We feel like we're not good enough. We feel like we're not strong enough. We say we're not smart enough. But I want to tell you, God created your imagination. I said, God created your imagination. And he created it to be used for godliness, for godliness. And here's what I'm saying, and this is what we said in part one. Instead of allowing our imagination to go where we're thinking that everything that can go wrong could go wrong, what about allowing our imagination through faith to access God's promises for this recovery and restoration life that God has abundantly given us and start thinking everything that can go right will go right. Come on, somebody. And let our imagination go wild on God's promises. Let's 
open up our hearts to that. You know, it's unfortunate because many people allow the pain of their past just to become permanent. And I just really believe that something, I, I just sense today something that God is gonna shake some chains off of people today. A pain of the past, right? It's not, some of us are living in the prison of the past, even whether it's through health issues, past relations. And I just sense that God wants to do a freedom in our lives today where you are broken from your past. Come on. And you can come out to the world and say, I'm coming out. I want the world to know. It's time for you to break out. It's time for you to be free. It's time for you to take hold of what God has for you. It's time to get your life back, Passion Life Church. Do I have anybody that wants to go there with me? Is there anybody that wants to get some life back, right? Get our joy back. Come on, get our hope back, your faith back. No more living life like life is lost. I've heard people say, man, I just feel like I've lost my life. Well, thank God that you're here today. Thank God you're listening to the podcast today because you are among a group of people that want to get our life back today in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 29. And what we're going to do throughout this series, and I'm going to be a little bit more methodical as we go through this series because I think it's important. A lot of people don't know about this promise. I'm going to show you scriptures. I'm going to show you stories because I want this to get inside your heart. Um, you know, the last two weeks, even before the series, I've just been thinking about restoration. I, I don't know what it all means yet. You may not know what it all means, but I'm going to put my faith in the promise of God. I've entitled today, Pursue overtake, recover all. Say this with me. Say pursue, overtake, recover all. One more time, but let's say it like we believe it. Pursue, overtake, recover all. First Samuel chapter 29, we're going to look at the life of David because he went through some devastation and loss in his life and God did an incredible miracle. First Samuel chapter 29 verse 6, it says, then Ashkishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishish
But even though this happened with David and Jesus, listen, they didn't just wallow in their sorrows. They didn't allow it to stop them from pursuing their destiny. And my church family, can I encourage us today? We can't allow other people's wrongdoing to stop us from doing what is right. And if you live with loss, this could happen. Even though other people did wrong, right? We need to still do right. I'm putting a message together and I don't know when I'm going to preach it, but it's just been on my heart for so long. And let me just give you a little, a little infomercial. We have to some point in our life decide who we're going to be. Despite what the world is. Well, you know, everybody's just so disrespectful. That's right. But who are you going to be? Are you just going to take on the disrespect and spew disrespect and your excuses because everybody's disrespectful? That is what you are. My church family, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And I have decided, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. Well, you know, just there's so much hate. Yeah, there's so much hate. But you know what? Are you going to be a hater and drink the haterade? Or are you going to be uh, love and love people unconditionally like Jesus did? We're going to have to decide at some point, and I hope it's today, you decide who you're going to be. I'm going to be the light and the salt in the earth. I'm not just going to be a reflection of the earth. We are not here just to be reflections. We are here not to blend in, but to change the world. And that's why we're here. And so people aren't going to love. Some people don't know how to love, right? They don't know how to love. We stand today, uh, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. You know, people weren't ready for his type of love and his type of stance. People aren't ready. That's why we've got to model as the church what loving people is, what respecting people is, even when you're disrespected. And let me call us to a higher standard today, my church family. Just because you were disrespected doesn't give you an excuse to disrespect other people. Just because you were hurt doesn't give you the right to hurt other people. We've got to decide who we're going to be. And you know what I love about David and Jesus? Even though all of these things happened, they didn't just wallow, right, in self-pity and sorrow. They decided, I'm going to do what's right. David decided, I'm going to do what's right to honor God. I'm not here for man's approval, right? And it's important, right, that we do right because doing right is always the right thing to do. I'm going to write that down. Write that down. During Doing what's right is always the right thing to do. That's why we do it even when other people aren't. And God will see it and he'll bless you. Let's look at, at 1 Samuel chapter 30, right? And David's gonna go through this time in his life. Let's look at this story. It says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the, the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burned it to the ground. And it had take, they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, and they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, their daughters had been there captive. So David and his men are off doing, this is David, the same one who killed Goliath, were off doing what God had told them to do. They were actually just coming back from a battle. They had just won a battle. And when they come back to this place, Ziglag, they look around and they see everything that they have loved, their kids and their, their daughters, sons, kids, uh, spouses, were all taken and captured. 
right? And then when they look around, everything that could be burned was burning. So they come up and I want you to picture this scene. There's smoke, there's fire. They can't find their loved ones. And here they find themselves at a loss. They're at a loss. Now there's a different, there's an interesting perspective here when it comes to David. If you know his history, and I will probably in this year, I'm gonna do a probably five or four week series on his life because he's the only man in the Bible that says is a man after God's own heart, right? And so I, I think we need to look at his life, right? He's a man after, after God's own heart. But he, at this point in his life, okay, he's got a lot going on. Anybody got a lot going on? <laughs> got a lot going on. Let me tell you why he's got a lot going on. David is in the kind of in the middle of his life. He is not king yet, okay? So he was anointed king, right? Samuel came and anointed him, but he wasn't appointed king yet. Now, there's, there's a difference because there's a lot of people I know that are anointed, but they're not appointed and stepping into their destiny as far as David, like, I'm going to be the king. I'm going to be the king, but I'm not the king yet. So he finds himself in this middle ground, somewhere in the middle of his journey. What does that say to us? It says, just like you, you're probably right in the same spot. You're in the middle of your journey. You're not who you used to be, but yet you're not completely where you want to be. Anybody know where I'm talking about? So you're kind of like in the middle of this journey. This is where he, he was. So David is between who he used to be and who he's becoming. Now, listen, this is important. The devil will attack you while you're in the middle. And I'm going to tell you why. He did not want David to get to be the king because he knew that he was anointed king. Now, David has not only the enemies like the Amalekites, he also has Saul who wants to kill him. Saul is the king the current king who knows that David's going to be king. And Ooh, there was tension. Ooh, Saul wanted to kill him. But it's important that what we need to understand is the enemy knows that you are anointed. Say this with me. Say, I am anointed. Come on, say it loud. I am anointed. You are anointed and God has a future. How do I know that you have a future? If you did not have a future, you would not be sitting here in 2020. God is not finished with you yet, right? And so here you are in this in-between stage and the enemy attacks. Why? Because he knows where you're headed and who you are going to become, right? God forbid the enemy have more faith in who you are going to become than you are. And you have, right? Right. He knows Phil Valdez and who he's going to be. I could take you throughout my life where the enemy tried to kill me. From the time that my mom was pregnant, right? My father, my real father, who I've never seen, never met, walked out of our lives, right? So I was born never seeing my father. But my mom was a single mother. When she was pregnant, she went to a priest and she said, I'm pregnant. I'm a single mom. And the priest told her, you know what I would do if I were you? I would just abort that child. I would just abort that child. See, when I'm telling you this, not to make this heavy, but what I'm saying to you is look what I'm becoming in Jesus' name because the enemy knew if he could take me out when I was this big, right, that I, couldn't, I wouldn't change the world. So ever since I was young, the enemy had a plot to take me out. And it's not because I'm so special. It's just because I'm anointed and God has a purpose. Just like you are anointed, you have the Holy Spirit and he's becoming and making in you more like Jesus. So the enemy's gonna come in and attack. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody experience some attacks? Let me see your hand. You experience, and I'm not talking about your cat, like your cat. I'm not talking about that. Your chihuahua, right? With three legs. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, 
we were at somebody's house this week. They had a cat and he was doing something. Cats are crazy, but that's another message for another time. And they're, inter- they're very entertaining if you can find them. If you ever see them, I've gone over people's house. They're like, we haven't seen our cat in two years. We don't know where he's at. But, you know, every once in a while the food has been diminished. So we know he's eating. And then, you know, maybe there'll be a sighting. So if you're sitting there and he just comes out at you, you know, then we'll be all happy and we'll clap because we know he's alive. I'm not talking about <laughs> cat attack. I'm talking about the enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy and you may not think it's a big deal where you're in the middle because you're not who you used to be and you know you're becoming, but he wants to stop the assignment that God has for your life. And so David is in this moment where all of his land is burning, can't find his wife, can't find his kids, right? This is a bad day. It's a bad day. This is a bad day. Not somebody cutting you off on the freeway. This is a bad day. And let's look at how he responds, because I believe if we can do what David did, we can get what David got. If we'll look at his life, if we'll learn from his life. Let's look at 1 Samuel 30, verse 4. It says this, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. In other words, I don't know if you've ever been here. I've been here. You weep so much. It's not just a crying, but it's a weeping that comes from the inside. That it's, so, it's actually, you have so much pain. The pain you have is causing you pain. I don't know if you've ever been there. And I mean, you're just, you're just crying. And it says that their tear ducts could not even produce any more tears because they weeped so much. Now watch this, 1 Samuel 30, verse 5 and 6. And David's two wives, Hoam the and Abigail, the widow of the royal of the Canaanite, had been taken captive. Now, David was greatly distressed. Let me just pause right here, okay? Now, David had two wives. Let me just say this. People look at the Bible and go, well, he had two wives. Yes, that was never God's best, okay? And most of us men know we can only handle one at a time. Come on, somebody. I just felt the Holy Spirit. I can only handle one. You try to handle two, you're going to go cray-cray, all right? But that was not God's will. Can I hear a good amen? amen. Ladies, you don't want to be with some other wife either. That's, that's just not, that's not God's best. I just want to, because people look at that, well, David did. Yeah, but that's, that was an area of his life was not good. But even despite that, the grace of God, right, helped him. But it just says that now he was greatly distressed in verse six. And it says this, for the people, the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man, his sons and his daughters. I think we can learn from this. Because David is coming to a point where he is deeply, deeply distressed, right? Now, the people, people are interesting to me. You got to understand David had a following and most of his followers were warriors because David was a warrior. So he's not yet king yet and people are following him and they're like, David, David, he's our man. If David can't do it, nobody can, right? So they're all David right? Yeah, we love you, David. David just led them to a victory. So they're all coming back. And then they see the devastation. They see the loss. And here's what happens. They get so, the Bible says, so distressed. Now they turn on David and it's not like, David, David, he's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. It's like, kill him. Kill him. Let's kill David. 
right? It's like Jesus. Remember, he's coming in. Oh, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. The same people. I think it's the next chapter. Crucify him, crucify him. My church family, people can be so flaky at times. And you may have some of these people as your friends. And this is why you suffered loss, because they were all for you. You thought that they had your back, but then they were like, This is real stuff in the Bible. But I think it's important that we can note here that this word, right? This word, it says, because all the people were grieved. Distressed, this word grieved in the Hebrew means this. They became bitter to carry intense hostility. So what happened was in this moment of distress, they were grieving and crying that they became so bitter. My church family, look at what bitterness did to them. It caused them to turn on their leader. Can I ask you a question? Would killing David bring back their wives and their kids? No. But being grieved, being distressed, causes them to turn on their leader. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Bitterness never produces recovery and restoration. Never does. It feels good, but it never does. Forgiveness produces recovery and restoration. Bitterness never produces recovery and restoration. Forgiveness produces recovery and restoration, right? And it's amazing how bitterness can start to really cloud your thinking, kill the leader. That's not the way the real problem is. The real problem is there is an enemy Right? The Bible even says we don't even wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 tells us this, and it talks about uh, bitterness. It says, don't even allow the root of bitterness to get in your heart. Why is this important? Anything that has a root will eventually bring forth fruit. And here's the thing about a root root will spread. The root of bitterness will start in your heart. And they've done studies about bitter people. And they've found that bitter people are more prone to, to cancer, more prone to um, arthritis. Why is that? Because bitterness spreads. The root starts to spread in your life. And instead of believing for restoration and recovery, you start to believe for revenge. You start to allow your imagination. Well, I hope they die. I hope the same thing happens to them. Well, why don't you start praying that they get saved? Because that's probably really what they need is they need an encounter with Jesus Christ, right? Your revenge is not going to do anything but probably hurt you more. But what they do need is an encounter with the living God. That, that's what they do. My church family life is so much about not what happens to us, but what happens in us and how you respond. I want to, and I've had probably the last three years of, I've had to work on my response to things because stuff's always happening, right? But it's how you respond and watch we're going to learn from David today. Are you glad you came to church? First Samuel 30 verse six. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because of the soul of the people was grieved. But David, but David, but David, I'm so glad for butts in the Bible. Come on, somebody. But David, but David strengthened himself in God. 
But David, even though he was grieved, but David, even though he was distressed, but David, even though he was weeping and could not weep anymore, but David got on Facebook and complained to the world. But David got on Instagram and complained to the world. Is that what he did? Right? But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to her, the priest, Amalekite's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Aaron brought the ephod to David. So watch this. I'm sorry these Bible names are just, why couldn't he just name him like, you know, like Taylor or something like, I don't know. So David strengthened himself with the Lord. Let me say it this way. David got alone with God because he found out that people were fickle and the people that were encouraging him aren't encouraging him anymore. So he looks and he says, there's one person, there's one place that I got to run to. I've got to get alone with God. David did what he always did. He went to God. Can I ask you when you're distressed, when I ask you, can I ask you when you're grieved, who do you go to? Who do you run to? What is your default? We've got to learn from David. I got to run to the presence of God. This is what I love about David. I think to me, David is almost like a picture perfect of what a man should be. I know he had failures, but David is the epitome of a warrior, right? We see him in one chapter cutting Goliath's head off, but then we see other times that he's before the Lord, dancing before the Lord, because he wasn't just a warrior. He was a worshiper too. He was a warrior and a worshiper. See, I don't want to just be a warrior in my own strength. I want to be a worshiper because that's where the supernatural strength of God, because the battle is the Lord's anyway. See, I don't want to, the epitome to me of a manly man is somebody who can fight, but can also worship with his hands up. Somebody who's not just wanting to throw a punch, but somebody who can lift their hands up and say, God, you are my strength. You are my king, right? Because to be honest with you, God is the ultimate warrior. I know he was a wrestler in the WWE, but he has nothing to do with God. And David was a warrior and a worshiper. I looked up this word in the Hebrew. It says strengthen. One translation says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Strengthened means this, and I think this is going to help us today. Strengthen means in the Hebrew to restore strength, to make strong, to be bold. Listen, this, listen how expansive the Hebrew language is. It means to repair, to prevail, to be cured. It means this. David chose to be recovered. Hmm. Somebody said that last week. Recovery is a what? It's a choice. He chose to be recovered. This word strengthen means this, to grab a hold of, to cleave to the strength of the Lord, to tie, to bind. Also means to tie together, right? So in this time, watch, here's what David did. He grabbed onto the Lord grabbed onto the Lord. Remember in the Old Testament too, Jacob, when he was wrestling with the angel, he grabbed on, he said, I won't let you go until you bless me. I wish we had some Christians that would just hold on. I'm tired of Christians who quit too soon. And it's not God's fault. I'm tired of Christians who are just letting go. I don't know if it's because you're watching Frozen too much, but you're letting go way too much. 
Instead of letting go, there's things we need to let go of, but there's some things we need to hold on to. And the presence of God is something that we need to hold on to because I will tell you, that's where you find your joy. That's where you find your peace. That's where you find wisdom in the presence of God. And we've got to learn how to hold on to God. Are you ready? We can learn these three things. This is what David's life shows us. Number one, restoration happens internally before it happens externally. Woo-hoo. Come on, take a picture of that. Put that on your TikTok. Come on. Restoration happens where? Internally. See, God will bring back things. He will restore stuff to you. But if you're not restored in here, you will not be ready for what God has for you. Right? Watch this. So when David chose to strengthen himself in the Lord... He chose to be repaired on the inside first, to be cured on the inside first, to be healthy first, me first. Watch, this is what David said. I first want restoration. The first restoration I need is in me. If you are unhealthy, you take your unhealthy butt to every place you go. You can be unhealthy and walk into something that's totally healthy and you will screw it up. You know why? Because you're unhealthy. Because you take you wherever you go. And I wish, I wish the church, the church would learn this because sometimes we get unhealthy and we think, well, I'm just going to go to another church. That's fine. Go to another church, but you take you wherever you go. So if you're unhealthy, there's unhealthy people over there. It's not the church. It's you. And so David said, before I expect all of these things to come back into my life, before, right, before I expect other people to recover, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. I'm going to be repaired first. I'm going to be cured first. I'm going to be restored first, right? I'm going to be strengthened first internally. And then guess what? It'll show up externally. Now, this is big. Why is this big? Because I think our perspective is opposite. I think our perspective is we allow the external world to govern internal world. And as a Christian, we're not supposed to live outside in. We're supposed to live inside out. When you start living outside in, you are a wreck. You're depressed. You're grieved, right? You're you're so touchy, so touchy, right? Because you're letting the world affect this world. And I'm going to tell you, 2020 will be your greatest year if, 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 2020 will be your greatest year if it's your greatest year spiritually. Because you go from inside out. Some of you are waiting, ready? Listen, some of us are waiting for external things to change and then we will adapt. It does not work that way. David said, restore me first. Restore the joy of my salvation. The Bible says he restores our soul. Who, Lord, refresh my soul. Because if you are not restored, you will always respond wrongly. See, that's why somebody can get up in my face and it don't bother me anymore. I remember, I'll tell the story just real quick because we have just a little bit of time. Um, there, I had some freaky moments in my life. We were on um, Clinton Keith. There was an Albertsons there. 
And uh, I had the church trailer, which was a lot smaller at that point. And uh, could you guys turn the, the hazer off, please? Um, thanks, there's still smoke. And I just don't want you guys to think like I'm farting up here or something like that. So um, I'd, Josh, you can just walk right up here, man. Wait, just give Josh a great round of applause. He's... So we're, we're, at, we're on Clinton Keith, right? I'm with this trailer and my son is, is uh, no, actually, I don't have the church trailer. It's just me, we're in our Jeep Liberty and it's just us and uh, I had to stop and get gas. And so I, I pulled over to the side, this, tra- this big, huge truck and this trailer comes in. And I think the guy after, now I know this, he was probably on something with drugs, but he pulls in and he literally pulls in and swipes my Jeep with his car, with, I mean, the dude, okay? And then he gets out and he's mad at me. Now, I didn't move, I was just standing there. I was like, well, what the, I'm, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like a victim, I'm being victimized. And my son was in the back, which really, when, you can get mad at me, I don't care. But when my kid is involved, it's a whole nother level. And he was sitting there, I think he was just about two years old. The guy gets out and just starts going crazy to the point where people are starting to gather around. I got out. And he starts cussing, bloop, 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 and starts blaming me. What are you doing? You think you're just going to get money from me? Money from me? I was just sitting here waiting for a spot. Well, that didn't freak me out. But what did freak me out is that he got around, he went into a bag. So I didn't know if he had a gun. I didn't know what's going on, right? And so he's in my face. Now, you got to understand, the old Phil Valdez would have gave you the five-fold ministry gift right in your face. <laughs> and it's two shots. One shot there and one on the floor, and we're done, right? I've seen the karate kid. Come on, somebody. I, I know the crane. And he's going, people are starting to gather around. There's, and I found out later there was cameras. And you know what? When you're restored and you're repaired and you're at peace on the inside, no one's going to get you out of that place. And my wife said, if you would have responded wrong, man, you, you may, may not have been here today. And she was right. So I got on the, the phone and while he's going off, I just called the police. Police came. But I thought that day, if I wasn't at peace on the inside, my li- I could be in prison today. So what I'm saying to you is that restoration has to happen internally. Then it will reflect your outside world. Here's, here it is, church, my church. Don't let it get in you. Don't let the world get in you. That's why you got to hold on to God. Come on, somebody. You've got to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And I want to encourage some of you today because there are some of you in here, you have friends that are encouraging you, but it's still not enough for you. And it's still not enough because let me say this, you need a word from God. You need his affirmation. And I know this because I have a lot of people in my life at times that encourage me, but sometimes I I thank their word. One, this last week, we had some uh, lunch or dinner with some people and man, the stuff they said about the church and and all as I want to know is, are we helping you? Is your life moving forward? Are miracles happening? If that is happening to me, that's worth more than money. Come on, somebody. That, 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 that to me will hold me on for another month, that encouragement. And they were saying, and they're serving even today, and they're great people. I love it. But you know what? Sometimes your friend's word is just not going to be enough. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. Come on, can we give him a good round of applause? <laughs> Restoration happens internally before it happens externally. And let me just say this, I think it's so important. Why is it important? Because we're contagious. 
Fear is contagious. Insecurity is contagious. You know, um, in our church years ago, we had somebody in leadership in our church that was very insecure. And I had a board member was talking to me and it was causing issues. Insecurity always causes issues, always. Because you're buying for position. You're just not confident in yourself. And one of our board members told me this. He said, Phil, that insecurity on that leader is starting to jump on you. And because they're insecure, you're starting to become insecure. And he was right. I wasn't preaching the same. There was some things happening in my life and it was because one person's insecurity. Insecurity, fear is all contagious, right? Being petty is contagious. You can't be mighty if you're gonna be petty. I refuse in 2020 to hang out. I'll love people, but I'm not gonna hang out with petty people. If we meet and all you're talking about is other people, then that tells me you don't have a vision. I'm not here to talk about other people. Let's talk about what we can do together for the kingdom of God. Let's talk about vision. Let's talk about growing together. Come on, let's not just talk about, oh, that person, they're just so, ah, I just don't like them. Right? But faith is contagious. Courage is contagious. I love when people tell me, and not because it's me, I love when people walk out of here and they tell me, Man, today it just, it just got, I just feel like when I leave passion life, like I got passion and I can take on the world. You know why? Faith is contagious. It's contagious. Number two, David realized this. Significant seasons require significant seeking. First Samuel 37, eight. Then David said to Abner and the priest, Amicus son, Please bring the ephod here to me. What was the ephod? The ephod was something that the priest wore, right? He said, bring it here to me. And David put on, it, it really represented the priest. It represented going before God. It represented prayer. But look at what he did. Verse eight, David inquired of the Lord saying, should I pursue this troop? Should I overtake them? You're in a significant season in your life. It needs significant seeking of the Lord. God will drop the plan. He will drop the business plan. He will tell you what to do. It's important. And I I think that's interesting that David doesn't say, bring me the sword. He says, bring me the ephod. Bring me the shield. He could have said, bring me Goliath's sword. No, you know what he said? He said, bring me the ephod because I'm going to go before the Lord. And the Bible says he inquired of the Lord, what do you want me to do? See, because it's easy to just with a reaction say, you know what? I'm just going to go cray cray on those people. No, Lord, what do you want me to do? Should I pursue them? This is going to be my time. This is my life. Should I pursue them? Should I overtake them? Right? And so he began to pray. And let me say this, prayer is not just you talking to God a hundred miles an hour. Prayer is listening to God and what he has to say. Yes, I believe one of my mentors says, talk to your feelings to God, talk to him, tell him all the things. But you know what? Let's spend equal time listening as we do talking. Why? He's going to download in you a plan. He's going to download in you the vision, right? And so this is what David gets. He gets a word from the Lord. And here's the last one from today, right? You can, number three, recover all. First Samuel 30 verse eight. And God answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. 
Say this with me. Pursue, overtake, recover all. Come on, let's say it like we believe it. Pursue, overtake, recover all. Say it with me. Say, I am going to pursue God. I'm going to overtake and I will recover all. Say, I'm getting my life back. Now, here's what we pursue. In this case, yes, he went back and he won a battle. But for us, I'm talking about pursuing God like you never did before. I'm talking about pursuing peace instead of revenge. I'm talking about pursuing forgiveness, pursuing joy in your life. And you know what? The great thing about us, we don't even really need to overtake because the devil is defeated. You and I, he's under our feet. But you know what we can do? We can pursue God for what he wants us to do and he'll show you and he will recover all. My church family, I started the message today saying, aren't you glad that you're here in 2020? And we got excited and Yes, we're here in 2020, but what if we take the next step and say, I'm here in 2020, but in 2020, I'm not going to allow the enemy to keep stealing and robbing from me either. I'm here, but I'm getting stolen from. I'm not going to allow him to steal any more. And I want to close with this. When we talk about restoration, a lot of times we think about just restoring the original. Sometimes that can happen and sometimes it can't. My father passed away this last year, right? And believing for restoration, I didn't go home and he was sitting on the couch, right? He's in heaven. That would be weird, right? But can restoration happen in my heart? Yes. But here's what I want to say. Don't define what restoration is for you. Let God define it for you. Why? Because if you define it, you will think too small. You will think too small. So let God define it for you. I don't know what it all means. And I can't sit here and go individually for everybody's life here. But what I can tell you is that God restores. So I'm going to believe that God could even do, even though I am unable to even ask for specific things, I am going to believe that he is going to do above what I can even ask think or imagine, but I am going to recover all. Here's the end of the story. David goes, he goes into the camp and not only do they get their stuff back, their kids, their spouses, they actually get everything that the enemy had that the enemy took from other armies. So they actually not only got what their stuff back, they got more. And the Bible talks about David comes back bearing gifts to the people that were back there. And I want to remind us today that when God restores, he always does more than you lost. Come on, can you give him a good round of applause? Let's stand together. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.